Luke 17, verse 11. The Bible reads like this. It says, Now it happened that as he went to Jerusalem, that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee, and that as he entered a certain village, there met him ten men who were lepers, who stood afar off. And they lifted up their voice, and they said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And so when he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourself to the priests. And as it were, that as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, he returned with a loud voice, glorified God, and fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. And so Jesus answered and said, Were there not ten cleansed? So where are the nine? Were there not any found uh, who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, Arise, go your way. Your faith has made you well. Father, thank you for your word today. Speak to our hearts. Give us ears to hear and heart to receive everything that you have for us. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. Look at somebody besides and tell them good morning. Hallelujah. Well, we're glad that you're here this morning. Um, we, we start a brand new series. We just came out of our haunted series and we were looking at being haunted by doubt and haunted by fear and shame and regret. And um, if you missed any of those, you can go back and shameless plug, go back on our podcast, on our app or whatever, and go back and catch those. But this month, we're going to start something entirely different. Um, we're going to start a brand new series today that I've entitled Thanks Living. Thanks Living. And we're going to be looking at how to live out in our daily lives what commercial holiday society wants us to live out one day a year. Um, I don't know about you, but I love holidays. Now, some people get the holiday blues, and you don't like holidays, and you're not a decorator. That's okay. You know, you have your reasons for that. I like the holidays. The holidays, though, can be painful because they not only remind some people of what they have, but they remind other people maybe of what they don't have or what they've lost. And so one of the love-hate relationships that I have with our holiday season as it relates to America is I believe that most holidays began pure in their inception. Very pure, very, very noble, like, you know, you look at the 4th of July and, and you look at um, uh, Resurrection Sunday, Easter, we look at things of that nature. They start out um, being celebrated very, very innocently, but yet... The world always has to jump in and try to capitalize or commercialize every single thing about it. It kind of takes the, 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 the love or the passion out of it. It's almost like when you um, no sooner than just a week before the Thanksgiving holiday, the stores already have out all of the uh, Christmas decoration. You don't even have an opportunity really to take in the sentiment of one holiday before you're bombarded with the next. I remember right after they removed all of the Easter candy out of uh, the stores, then all of the spooky stuff began to be put out, I mean, months early. And it's just crazy how society wants us to jump from one thing to the other to the other and never give us an opportunity to actually stop and, and, and gloat in the meaning of what we're actually celebrating. But anyway, our, our, out of all of our commercial holidays, all of them, out of all of them, whether that be Valentine's Day, would it be Resurrection, Easter, Halloween, and even Christmas, I believe Thanksgiving 
seems to be the most innocent and untainted. Now, let me backtrack for a moment because I know some of you said, whoa, wait a minute, Pastor. What about, what about, what about Christmas? You said Christmas. Yeah, but I want you to think Santa Claus for a moment. So the holiday has become more about St. Nick, which was a real person, and not as much about the birth of the Savior. Easter Sunday becomes more about painted eggs and baskets and, and things of those nature, which, by the way, if you ever studied the root of some of that, you may not ever do it again. But the truth is, is that commercialism of the holiday begins to take over. But I believe Thanksgiving is the most innocent of all of them. Because listen, the very first Thanksgiving was celebrated after the pilgrims came over on the Mayflower, founded their new land. It was the first harvest where they came in and celebrated. And there was a, a diversity of people who were there. And contrary to popular belief, there was not a turkey at the first Thanksgiving. That's a historical fact. But the truth is, is that they got together and they celebrated with the harvest and they gave thanks to God for freedom and thanks to God for their land and it became a place of purity. Now in America, we, this has still remained pure to a point. People go out and they buy uh, groceries and they get big meals. They get the hams, the turkeys, they get the sweet potatoes and, and all of the desserts. And they get together and they watch football and, and they watch the Macy's Day Parade. They give thanks to God. They enjoy each other's fellowship. And it's still an innocent holiday. Except commercialism has to rear its ugly head, and one day, most companies have even moved it up 24 hours. That while we can't bask for just a few moments in being thankful and grateful and content for what God has given us, they had to roll out this one holiday to help all of the fiscal years of all of the businesses called Black Friday. So literally, we go from Thanksgiving Thursday to Black Friday. I remember several years ago when my kids were little and Tickle, Tickle Me Elmo was a thing. Come on, anybody remember Tickle Me Elmo? I wanted to cast the devil out of Tickle Me Elmo. I was so, so, whew, when the batteries went out on those things, I was so happy. But I remember news reports of people trampling each other. Inside Walmart, trying to get a toy just less than 24 hours after a nation, we celebrated how thankful we were, how grateful we were. And yet now we are literally snatching things out of people's hands in order to get a deal. Isn't that just like the world? To try to steal away innocence by painting this picture, if you will. By the way, there was a, there was, there was a commercial years ago. It says, we, we, um, we're not like everybody else. We don't mark it up just to mark it down to call it a sale. Do you know that's all Black Friday is anyway? It's the manipulation of the mind to make you think you're getting a bargain on a product that's really not even worth what you're paying for it on sale. Let the Lord speak to you. Come on, somebody. And so less than 24 hours, we run and indebt ourselves. We discover that we've spent more than we can afford. We have been mastered by the card. And we're going to need a visa to leave the country running from the bill collectors. Because of the covetousness of people. 
in the holiday season. And so this morning, as I was praying over the last month, I wanted to think about what could set our minds on actually not thinking of Thanksgiving as one day on the calendar, but actually Thanksgiving as a way of living our lives. You see, Paul wrote to the church at Thessalonica, he said, in all things, give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. He didn't say give thanks for all things, but yet he said give thanks in all things. We're to be thankful in every season. And I know that you may be here this morning and you may not even be able to see the dark cloud is over your head. It's been raining a long time in your life and depression and doom and gloom and despair is all over you. But I'm praying that by the time we leave this sanctuary this morning that the Lord will show you we all have something to be thankful for. And so this morning I've entitled this message a reason to give thanks. In our text, in Luke chapter 17, it's interesting because we see Jesus encountering ten lepers. As he's on his way to Jerusalem, Scripture says he passes through the region of Samaria and Galilee, and he enters a certain village there, and there are these ten lepers. And that's an issue in and of itself because Number one, Jewish people typically stayed away from Samaria. That's the background for um, uh, many different passages, but uh, the woman who was at the well, she was in Samaria. Uh, She was a woman, but Jews typically didn't mess around with Samaritan people, but Jesus found himself there more than once, out of his way, trying to go to Samaria. You know, in fact, let me tell you how much Jesus loves Samaria. Samaria is the place where nobody wanted to go. Jewish people would have steered clear of it in any direction that they possibly could. But let me tell you how much Jesus loves Samaria. In Acts chapter 1, when he gave them the commission to wait until the power of the Holy Spirit came, he said, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria. Jesus even included Samaria to be the place that nobody wanted to go, where the rejects of society were, where the diseased and the afflicted were. Jesus said, the Holy Spirit is going to give you power to go to people that nobody else wants to go to. I sense this morning that perhaps the Holy Spirit is calling somebody in this room today to minister to a place or a people that nobody wants to go to. But that's just how good He is. So there's Samaritans among the Galileans, but there's some Samaritans mixed in. And if that's not bad enough, they're lepers. Leprosy. It's like the worst disease you could have ever gotten in biblical times. There was seen to be no cure. The Levitical law said that when a person got leprosy, they were placed outside of their family. They weren't allowed to come in. If you were a mom and you had kids, you were not allowed to hug your babies anymore. You were not allowed to kiss your husband no more. You weren't allowed to be in the house. You were, you were put out from society. It was a humiliating thing. And if that's not bad enough, that if you happen to come in contact with anybody 
The Levitical law required you to holler, unclean, unclean. You had to announce your affliction. It was a part of your identity. Like the, like the story many of us read in grade school, the scarlet letter. And the woman had the scarlet letter on her to announce her sin. Uh, this leprosy caused people to have to uh, announce their affliction all the time. And can you imagine the loneliness, the isolation? Many of us struggled during COVID-19, during 2020, with all of the quarantines and all of the different things. And, and, and some of you had COVID and you had to separate away from your family for two weeks. And it, it, and it really messed with you mentally. Can you imagine living your life on permanent quarantine? Permanent. Because leprosy was slow death walking. Say, what is leprosy? Leprosy was a flesh-eating disease. Started usually at the appendages, like the fingers and the toes, and it just works up your body until all of a sudden they have to amputee. So these people are butchered and they are wounded, and it is so gross. But beside all of that, it was a communicable disease, which means it was extremely contagious. So not going around somebody was not an option because if you went around them, you could transmit what you had to them, thus spreading the leprosy even further. And so now what we find is Jesus walking into this village where there's Samaritans and lepers. And it's interesting that we learn some things about Jesus in this passage. we got to ask ourselves, how will he respond? Here's what I want us to look at this morning. The Bible tells us that Jesus walked right into Samaria and Galilee, and he entered right into that village. If you're taking notes, you want to write something down, write this down. Number one, we can be thankful that Jesus isn't afraid of us. Most of society would have sidestepped this place because they knew what was there. In fact, in these times, there were leprosy camps where people lived. Now, I have a feeling Jesus probably knew there were leprosy camps. I mean, not only was he a smart individual anointed by the Holy Spirit, but he was the Son of God. So I have a hinkling uh, inclination this morning that Jesus would have known that. And most people would have walked right on past it. They wouldn't have touched it with a 10-foot pole. They would have said, that stuff right there, that leprosy, that's the type of stuff you ought to watch from a distance. And they would have walked around and not even came close to it. But friend, let me tell you something. Jesus was not afraid to go to these lepers. He wasn't afraid to go into this place. He wasn't afraid to go in and minister to them. And I think that's awesome when we look at the character of Christ. That he never was afraid to go where people were. We need to think about this. When the woman was caught... In the act of adultery, Jesus got right down in the middle of her stuff. 
I want you to think about, I want you to think about this. When the family was grieving and there was a funeral procession at name and, and the, the family was grieving and Jesus could have just walked along the side of them, but he didn't do that. He was not afraid to get in the middle of their pain. He wasn't afraid to get in the middle of their circumstances. He wasn't afraid to get right in the middle of whatever mess may be. Aren't you glad this morning that no matter what mess we find ourselves in, Jesus isn't afraid of us? Listen, he wasn't afraid of us at all. In fact, here's what Scripture says. Scripture says in, first, in 2 Corinthians rather, chapter 8 and chapter number 9 that Jesus left the glory and splendor of heaven where there was perfection and there were streets of gold and seas of crystal glass and, and there were gates and, of, of jasper and pearl and, and all of these stones. He left the beauty and perfection of heaven. Because we were not holy enough to go to him, he came down to us. Paul wrote and he said this. He said, uh, he became poor for our sakes. Talking about, talking about materially wise. He got down in the middle of our stuff that for our sakes we might become rich. Because we were not able to get to God, he came down to us. See, we can be thankful this morning that Jesus wasn't afraid of our sin. But he got right down in the middle of it. Here's the second thing I want to show you, and then I'm going to come back and revisit each one of these things. Here's the second thing. I want you to notice this. Go back to the text with me. Luke says it like this. It says in then verse 12, then as he entered a certain village, there met him ten men who were lepers, who stood afar off. In other words, they knew their position. They knew that they could not approach him. So they stood afar off. The Bible says, and they lifted up their voice and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. I want you to know something. This is not directly in the text, but this is inferred in the text, and I'll show you how. Here's my second point. We can be thankful that Jesus, not only is he not afraid of us, but number two, that he's approachable. Jesus is approachable. You see, they were standing afar off, and, and Jesus could have equally have said, get away from me. You're unclean. Leave me alone. What you have is contagious. But Jesus didn't say that. Because Jesus, let me tell you something. There's a reason why he told them to go show themselves to the priest. We can talk about that a little later. Jesus was following protocol of the day. He was following the law of the land. Because if anybody was sought to be cleansed of leprosy, the priest had to be the one to confirm that. Jesus, that's what he was doing. He wasn't afraid to touch them. We see other places where Jesus got right in the middle. But here's what I want you to know. Jesus was approachable. He did not push them aside or say, leave me alone. Yes, they had communicable disease. Yes, that leprosy was highly transmittable and uncurable. But there was something about Christ who understood that what was on him was greater than that which was on the lepers. Jesus understood that what he had was what they needed. And so rather than push them away... He gave them his attention. 
I'm thankful this morning that Jesus is approachable. There's never one time I've approached God in prayer. There's never one time I've got into his word and I felt like God said, leave me alone. I don't have time for you. I don't want to spend time with you. No, every time I've approached God in prayer, in meditation, in devotion, every time I've approached him, I have felt embraced. I have felt welcomed. I have felt loved. I have felt forgiven. And I just want you to know something this morning. In the middle of this season, when none of us seem to, uh, not all of us rather, have something that we seem like we can be thankful for. We can be thankful this morning that Jesus is approachable. He said, come unto me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, for it is easy, and my burden is light. Not only is Jesus approachable, but he wants us to come to him. The Gospel of John records, all who come unto me, I will in no wise cast them out. Scripture is replete with examples from Matthew all the way through uh, the Gospel of John when people would come to Christ with a need and they were hurting and they were broken and they came to him. He was so approachable. He was so compassionate. Jesus, they asked him, they said, Lord, if you're willing. And what did he say? I'm willing. Be cleansed. We serve a very approachable God. There's a reason why we call Jesus our personal Lord and Savior. He's approachable. Here's the third thing. Then I'm going to come back around here and I want to show you something. Because leprosy was so horrible. Because how it separated you from society. Here's what I want you to see. Here's the third thing. We can be thankful that Jesus is merciful. Thankful that he's merciful. Verse 13 says, they lifted their voice and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And and when he saw them, he said to them, go show yourself to the priest. And it was that as they went, they were cleansed. Now, here's, here's what I want you to see. Not only is Jesus not afraid of us, not only is he approachable, but number three, Jesus is merciful. What is mercy? Mercy is when we get what we don't deserve. Science, the law, all of it said, stay away from those people. Don't mess with them. Let them alone. Let nature take its course. They were dying a slow death. Jesus could have left them there. Many other people left them there, walked past them. Would they recognize who he was? They said, Jesus, Master, have mercy. And mercy is when we get what we don't deserve. Mercy is when we get what we don't deserve. They, they were dying. It was the process. It was the natural thing that would happen. But yet, God was merciful to them. And he said, go show yourself to the priest. Be cleansed. Now, here's what I want you to get. I want everybody to just lock in with me just for a moment. I, I want you to imagine what it would be like to have leprosy. 
To be isolated, to be disconnected, to be dying a slow death, knowing that there's nothing that anybody else humanly could do to help you. But yet, I want you to get this this morning. Every single one of us in this room have had something far worse than the physical disease of leprosy. We've had a disease called sin. And the disease called sin is worse than leprosy because leprosy brings physical death. But sin brings spiritual death. And here's what you have to know. The Bible says that your iniquities and your sins have separated you from God. Right? You following me? Our sin and our iniquity has separated us from God. What that means is, before we met Jesus, every single one of us in this room, no matter how, how much we went to church with a family member, no matter how much we knew the stories, but each and every one of us, before we met Christ, minus or plus however much religious we were, we were separated from God because of our sin. And aren't you glad this, e this morning that Jesus wasn't afraid of our sin. Some of you in this room, he, he found, some of you got saved on a church pew. I, I, I understand that. I value that. Your testimony is awesome. There's just as much testimony in the keeping power of God as there is the delivering power of God. That is amazing. But some of us didn't get saved on a church pew or out of a church pew. Some of us got saved out of bars and out of clubs and, and illicit lifestyles and other people's beds. Come on, somebody. Some of us got saved in some very nasty places. And I'm glad that Jesus was not afraid to come into the middle of our circumstance and the middle of our mess, come on, and rescue us when we needed rescuing. I'm glad that we serve a God who wasn't afraid to get his hands dirty, but he got in the middle of the mess and saved us and redeemed us by his own grace he wasn't afraid to come to their Samaria and he wasn't afraid to come to ours he wasn't afraid of us but not only that I'm glad that he was approachable because listen to me folks when when uh, when you're in sin much like these lepers you can feel unworthy that's why they stood afar off I see people week after week, physically they may be close. Physically, I may be in proximity of a couple arm's lengths to reach out and touch them. But spiritually, because of guilt and shame and condemnation and sin, here's what happens. They feel afar off from God. They don't feel like they can pray. They don't feel like they can worship. They don't feel like they, they can even ask God for anything. That's because the weight and, and, and guilt of shame rests upon our shoulders and it keeps us from feeling like God is approachable but can I let you know this morning that God wants you to bring your stuff to him he wants you to bring the mess and all the addiction and all the filth and all all of it he wants you to bring that to him and, and he wants to to do something about it I'm glad this morning that Jesus is approachable in the middle of our sin so thankful this morning that when we're separated from God, 
He wants us to come to Him. The Scripture says, draw near to God, and God will draw near unto you. He wants us to come home. There's a story that I'm reminded of. It's the story of the prodigal son. The the Gospel of Luke records a chapter that has three stories in it. The parable of the lost sheep, the parable of the lost coin, the parable of the lost son. And each one of those parables is building to the last, which is the parable of the lost son. And I don't know if you've ever studied Luke's account of the parable of the prodigal son before, but there were not just one son that was lost, there was two. And actually, the whole story of the prodigal son was not about the prodigal son. It was about the elder brother. and His attitude of self-righteousness, of being in the house and never left. And, and, and why are you celebrating him? See, Jesus was addressing the Pharisees and their self-righteousness at sinners that Jesus came to. But here's what I want you to know. The Bible says in that story that that man, he ran away from his father's inheritance. He backslid, if we want to use those words. He was a Jewish young man. He goes to a pig farmer. Worst thing you possibly can do. He's hungry. So now he's eating the husks that the pigs eat. And, and he's in the muck and the mire. And he begins to ask himself the question, how many of my father's hired servants have food to eat and to spare? They, they have a clean place to sleep. They have clean shoes. They, they have a, a, a bath to take. They have all of those things. And he says, here I am so unworthy. Here I am so horrible here I am I've wasted my life and he said well maybe I the Bible says he came to himself and he said well maybe I will just arise and I will go to my father's house I'll return I'll beg I'll snot I'll 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 grovel and I'll just be like one of the hired servants the Bible says he came to himself He said, I will arise and I go. And he went to his father's house. You know what the Bible says? The Bible says that when his father saw him afar off, he got up and he ran towards him. And he embraced him. He didn't take a second to to fuss at the son. He didn't take a second to, to interview him and ask him where he had been and what he had done. He just simply said, son, welcome home. Get the fatted calf. Get the robe. Get the signet. Get the shoes. Get everything. Why? Because we serve an approachable God that when we're separated from him, all he simply says is, come he said, Jesus, have mercy on us. Let me tell you, this one is heavy because not only do we serve an approachable God, but we serve a merciful God. And, and our sin, like leprosy, had consequences. Not only was there the separation from society, but that, that sin, like I told you, leprosy brought physical death, sin brought spiritual death. And the Bible teaches something called the second death. And, and the Bible says that uh, the second death is the lake of fire. It's hell. It's eternity separated from a holy God. And let me just tell you, as far as sin is concerned, outside of Christ, Every single one of us deserve what we would get. You say, oh, pastor, I'm not Jeffrey Dahmer. 
I'm not, I'm not like Richard Ramirez. I'm, I'm not like a, this person or that person. And, uh, you know, I'm not this and I'm not that. But let, let me tell you something. Sin, although it all carries different consequences in the, in the natural realm, sin in the, in the physical realm, in the spiritual realm, is all sin separates you from God. And without Christ and His sacrifice to cover our sinfulness, all of us were destined for the same place. Just like the lepers were destined for a grave where the animals would devour them. The Bible said that we were destined for a place where the worm dies not and the fire is never quenched. But I'm glad that Jesus had mercy on the leper. But I'm as equal as glad that Jesus had mercy on me. Because I know what I had done. I can't speak for you. I don't know where he brought you from. I don't know what he brought you out of. But I can speak for me. I know where I've been. I know what I've said I know what I thought I know what I've done and I can tell you he reached way down and picked me up out of the muck and the mire of the clay and he brushed me off and he wiped me off and he gave me a new set of clothes and listen he is a merciful Jesus he's merciful these ten lepers started walking to the priest The Bible says as they went, they were made whole. I can imagine him looking down. Notice his arm begin to look like normal. And everybody else kept walking. And this one leper, who was a Samaritan, he said, I've got to turn around and tell the Lord thank you. I got to tell him thank you. Because of what he's done for me, I have to tell him thank you. You, you got to understand something. Leprosy was such a death sentence, there was no hope. For any quality of life. And, 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 and people were afraid of you. And, and all these horrible things. But now he's, he's, you got to understand. By restoring him. And by the priest uh, uh, allowing him back into society. Now he could have a living for his family. Now he could kiss his wife at night. Now he could hug his babies. Now he was back in a, in a, in a good mental state. God had taken him from separation to closeness, from, from, um, from being separated to intimacy. God brought him back into the fold. And this man said, I cannot let a moment pass without telling the Lord, thank you for what you've done for me. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for setting me free. I'm about to close this message this morning, but I, I, w- I want to remind you this morning, That in the season of thanksgiving, we need to not forget that we have a reason to be thankful every day. We need to be thankful that Jesus wasn't scared to get involved in our lives. We got to be thankful that He wasn't unapproachable. We better be thankful He had mercy. Because we were deserving of what we had coming. And I don't know about you, but every day of my life, we've got to stop and say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. 
You might be here this morning. You say, well, I don't really feel like I have a reason, Pastor. I don't have a reason. This, that, my finances. Yeah, I'm not denying all of that. That's all real. But you can give thanks because He's given. Christ Jesus, His Son. And folks, listen to me. Jesus, for a moment, He stopped. You've got to understand something. This wasn't no cute praise. It wasn't a... No, the, the, the word, when, when, the, when the Bible says, he threw himself down at his feet. It's one of the Greek terms for worship. It's proskuneo. It, 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 it means in the Greek language, to bow down and pay homage and another version of that it means to lap like a dog laps its master have you ever had a dog that you, you you know a family pet you've been gone all day and the dog jumps up on you and just starts lavishing his love on you knocking you down almost I'm so glad you're home I've got a dog like that come on somebody you just it's not just a little cute thing it's a little bit obnoxious it's okay I've just been gone for a couple hours okay just knock it off this man he didn't give Jesus a little bit of cute praise listen he had been saved he had been delivered he had been set free listen I want you to know you've been saved you've been delivered you've been set free we can't give him just a little normal praise he doesn't want a patty cake he wants and deserves our worship this morning he deserves it one of the most moving psalms that David wrote was after his sin with Bathsheba and his child died because of his negligence See, God will forgive you, but sometimes sin still costs you something in the natural. Not always. God's merciful. But in David's case, David wasn't able to build the temple. Solomon had to build it. And, and his son ended up being a casualty. David was in the middle of all of that and trying to serve God. And I love what David said. He said, restore to me. The joy of my salvation. Then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners will be converted. David's words. Sometimes we lose our joy, which in, indeed affects our fruitfulness for God, because we forgot what it felt like. When we first got saved. I am convinced that one of the worst things that can happen to a Christian is to sit in church for so long that they get so far away from their salvation experience that they forget what it was like when they didn't know Christ. 
Listen, none of us are supposed to revel in our past. It's a testimony for a reason. We can reflect on what God brought us out of, but we don't ever need to forget where we came from because if we forget where we come from, then we start looking down our nose with other people that they maybe, maybe, maybe they just came to Christ and they are still got mess to come out of and we begin to look down our nose. God needs to break our hearts and say, you don't need to forget where you came from. You don't need to forget what I pulled you out of. Listen, because the reason why God pulled you out of it is because He wants to use your life to help pull somebody else out of it. Come on, somebody. So I'm here to tell you this morning, greater than the healing of leprosy is the forgiveness of sin. And all of us that are saved in this room have a reason to thank the Lord every single day of our life and if you're here this morning and you're not saved you can leave here like that leper you can say Lord thank you thank you for saving me thank you for forgiving me thank you for receiving me that's what you can have today I want everybody to stand up on your feet with me